This episode is brought to you by Red Bear. Hey, pizza lovers, have you heard? You don't have to order in to get fantastic pizza anymore. Now, make it yourself with Red Baron's new fully loaded hand-tossed style pizza with a half pound of premium toppings and a soft, chewy, restaurant-style crust, you'll be blown away. Pick from three flavors in the frozen food aisle, ultimate pepperoni, barbecue recipe chicken, and meat lovers. Indulge yourself. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. I could not sleep last night. No? Yeah. I finally started sleeping better from being terrible. I realized that if you just eat cheese and salami, it's not a nutritious diet. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out, turns out if you like cheese and salami does not have a lot of micronutrients in it. Mm. So, and I always get in this, it's like a cyclical thing. Where I will eat just nothing but cheese and salami because I'm working. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's the easiest thing to eat while I'm working. And then I'll get like this cramp in my leg and I'll be like <laughs> sleeping bad. And I'll just be like, ah, why won't this go away? I can't <laughs> sleep. My leg hurts. Oh, it's weird. And people wonder why I get shingles. You know, it's like, <laughs> just, just <laughs> take care of my body. I don't eat anything good. Yeah, good thing. Good thing this podcast about sports isn't teaching me anything about eating good or doing anything. We only had a that. sports nutrition episode over a year ago. Ah, what? Mm. <laughs> huh? Welcome, elegant listeners, to go my favorite sports team. We're here for another episode of the hard-hitting sports news and sports primers and sports of all sorts, and maybe a little bit of not sports, but we're here. And I'm Tyler, and I'm here with Mark. Hi, I'm Mark. Yes, that Mark. Mark Eyeflyer. Hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> if it's your first time in this podcast, I'm a sports guy. I know sports real good. I I sport a lot, and I, I'm known for my sports, is what I'm trying to say here. You're looking really pretty or handsome today. Not you, Tyler. I, I I didn't anticipate you were talking to me. I was, Actually, I, was, I did say earlier your skin was looking good. It is looking good. Yeah. If everyone is watching this on Spotify, which you probably aren't, you're probably just listening to this, but if you go over to Spotify, you'll notice that Tyler has changed. He's a different man. I don't recognize this man. I don't recognize him either. It's He's really weird. Shorn. I don't know what's going on over there. Very strange. It's like my jawline reappeared. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. The goida. No, that's something else entirely. What? What's a goida? I don't even know what a goida is. What's a goida? Goida. 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 Not goida. 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 Goida? How do you spell it? I don't know how you spell it. Goida. What's a goida? What's a goida? What's a goida? I'm going to get a jacuzzi about this one. What's a goida? Goida neck thing. Oh, it's goida. Go go g o i t r e. A swelling at the base of your neck. It's caused by an enlarged thyroid. Oh, I don't have that. No, you don't have that. No, you don't have that. 
Um, but how are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing great physically. You know, I saw I had my post op with my my doc today, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Oh yeah, that looks good." You honestly, I'll let you even lift 25 pounds each arm, and I'm like, "Oh sh- man, you really believe in me?" That's pretty good. Yeah, especially considering pre-surgery, he was like, no, nothing over 20 pounds. And now he's like, oh, you, yeah, you can get your curls in. You can do some walking, you know. Nice, nice. I haven't worked out at all it's since I finished filming. I have lost all the gains that I've ever had. I have lost any kind of shape that I've ever been in. I am a pathetic lump of meat. I am a sack of flabby nothingness. I will never be strong again. I will never be fast again. And I will never be anything better than a big old floppy pile of dicks. I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that for one second. If wishes and wants were smishes and schmons, <laughs> whatever that is. <laughs> I don't even know where that's coming from. That's a thing. If wishes and wants, if wishes. I know the if wishes are wants, but. No, no, no. Not if, if, Oh, if wishes and butts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a very fine Christmas. Wishes and butts. I don't know. You know, butts. Oh, but, but, but. Oh, uh, not. Oh, I but. I thought. But, I, but. Yeah, I thought that's what I was thinking. Uh, was uh, no. Yeah. If wishes were horses, then beggars would ride. That's not a good slogan. That's a dumb slogan. That's weird. I guess it's got to be really old. Anyway, we're here to talk about stuff. Uh, yeah, we're here to talk about the horrible things that we have done. So, uh. If you don't know about this, if you go to the subreddit or the Discord, you can jacuse us of things, which I realize that people don't know what jacuse means. It's it's just a cuse with a J in front of it to be fancy. I think it's French. It is French. Because you came up with it. No, I, wait, no, I didn't. Yeah, you did, didn't you? No, I didn't. I thought you came up with jacuse as a, as a concept. I thought you did. When did I do that? Did I, I don't do know. Damn, I'm Roll- clever. Roll back the real listeners and check to see who came up with it. <laughs> well, either way, we've got quite a few jacuses because we jacuse the jacusers of not getting good enough jacuses for us to be jacused by. Since we got like that one incredible jacuse that was like literally should be framed. And I hope, I don't know, I didn't check. Did people go to the subreddit and upvote that one jacuse? Because that should stand as a shining beacon of what it means to make a jacuse. It was that good. I hope it's upvoted. It is not. Mm, I didn't think they did. I think they all just were like, all right, I'm I'm just going to type mine and now I'll get upvoted. <sighs> I can't believe this. As the, the selfish, non-team playing creatures that they are. I can't even find it anymore. This is ridiculous. You know you know what? Somebody was jealous and they, they removed it. Yeah. But anyway, uh, 12 days ago, someone was wearing their eye, eye finger sports hat at a minor league game. I saw that. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. Pretty exciting. Anyway, back to the jacuzzis. From pig stacking, Tyler has made the biggest error of his career and I will destroy him from the inside. I have... Man, you must not know a lot about my career if you're thinking whatever you're going to say is my worst mistake of my career. Uh, uh. In the most recent episode, at the time of this post, Tyler leaked the Balls in Holes cult. This will be his undoing. What is this? I've begun my plan to infiltrate and destroy Tyler. Why am I doing this, you ask? 
because Tyler besmirched and defamed the good name of Joey Chestnut, the greatest competitive eater in history. You talk so much about Nathan's hot dog eating contest, but failed to mention all of Joey Chestnut's accolades, especially in this competition, so I will do so. From 2007 to 2014, Joey Chestnut was undefeated in this contest, an unprecedented eight-year run. Even after he was cheated out of victory later by somebody who will not be named, he has still managed to get 50 titles. He also holds 55 records from 12 pounds of deep-fried asparagus spears in 10 minutes to 121 Twinkies in 6 minutes. I know you don't like this, but Joey Chestnut is the GOAT. <sighs> I didn't think we were that mean to Joey on the episode. I didn't think we were either. You shouted him out at the beginning. But yeah. uh, I gotta say, this Jacques made me yawn, you know? Wow. Because uh, people forget that this podcast is about sports. And mm -hmm. yes, Joey Chestnut is an athlete, but it's not about each individual person in sport. That would take forever. And it'd be, you know, people would yell at me about not talking about this person, not talking about that person, blah, blah, blah. There's a millions of people in competitive eating. And just because Joey Chestnut has dominated the stratosphere of competitive eating, I think it's important that we don't just talk and focus on Joey Chestnut and we focus on the grand sport as a whole and those other competitors who are rising and climbing and chasing Joey Chestnut because they face adversity. Joey's been at the top for so long, he's got an ego bigger than the amount of hot dogs he eats on every Sunday. So he can get knocked down a rung. So you can worship him on the food mountain god of whatever, but here on this podcast, we like to give credit to other people as well. Well said. Well said. You know what I discovered watching uh, the most recent hot dog competition stuff? Is I didn't realize that the guy who announces that talks the way he does. <laughs> Have you heard him? It's been a long time since I've heard him. <laughs> this man who stands atop the peak of humanity, who rises above. Literally all the other competitors are there, and this guy who runs the whole competition, who I heard is kind of a weirdo and also maybe not a good person. I have no idea. Is that Nathan? If that is Nathan, he I've heard he's kind of a dick. But he just constantly is like, no one else could possibly compete against the mountain that is this man. And all the other competitors are just sort of like, I guess I'll go fuck myself. I guess I, guess I shouldn't even <laughs> you know, be here. Maybe that's why he wins. Maybe it's getting in the other one's head, but not very ethical from the owner of the competition. No, no. Yeah, but anyway, so that guy's a weirdo. <laughs> Maybe that's the person who just posted. <gasps> oh, I see. Well, actually, I would not be surprised. That does sound like... <laughs> the <writing is> <laughs> Pull the curtain aside. Is it you? Anyway, we got another Jacuz here uh, from the Red Panda Pal. I'm disappointed in you, Mark. Oh, cool. It's not me. I, <laughs> I'm disappointed that Mark didn't correct Tyler that he calls C-3PO a robot, which in fact he's not. And I see a lot of this in sci-fi community, robot, android, and droid, among other terms. They are the same, but very different. Droid is a self-aware sentient mechanical being taking the form of a robotic look, but is not bound to their programming. They think to themselves... Robot does it as his program, follows a pattern. Android taking on a human form behaves like a human but is not bound to programming. Man, what a freaking nerd. 
Look, I'm sorry, the Red Panda Pal. You must assume that I'm some kind of a nerd. <laughs> that I would go, whoa, whoa, Tyler. Hold your rod. Did you just call him you know, a robot? He's a droid. He's a droid. I do not know what the difference is. And also, all of these are made-up terms. Every one of these. It's a non-biologic, Mark. Oh! Now you're <laughs> no, these aren't real. They don't exist. These words are made up because the things that they're talking about don't actually exist. They're not real! They're not real! They're not! Anyway. Listen, to some people, semantics are important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, I know what this jacuzzi is. Okay, so here's the thing. So Silver Husky GC. It's just titled The Fridge. Woo! 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 Mark, you fool! Tyler has, in <sighs> fact, mentioned William the Fridge Perry before on this podcast. Have you learned nothing? Pretty sure it was on the football primer as well. Just listen to the newest distractible episode and had to stop in the middle of working to this point this out lol all right listen silver husky gc <laughs> apparently you have bad memory here because that was talked about with bob <laughs> not me i was not on that episode you know how i know that you know how i know that i was not there the only reason i know about that is because I see the thumbnails that the artists make for the YouTube channel, and there was a fridge plowing off a football field, and I was like, I don't remember that. And then I go, oh, wait, it's called Bob Goes Fridge Mode, so I'm assuming that was talked about on that episode, and not mine. Right? Am I right? It distinctly was talked about on that one. I wouldn't be surprised if I briefly mentioned it in the other ones. Did but not happen. if I briefly mention it, I would not expect you to remember it anyway. <laughs> no, it didn't happen. So so shame on you, Silver Husky GC. I don't know why everyone's accusing me. Also, big shout out to the artists who do all the amazing work on the thumbnails for both Go and Distractable. If you didn't know about the YouTube channels, which you probably did, but maybe you didn't. There's amazing, beautiful works of art that's being done on there. Incredible works of art. Oh, yeah. And then there's been uh, recent animations that have been posted on your channel of yes. both Go and Distractable, which are yes. fantastic and phenomenally done by two of the same. There's all actually of them quite doing a few of them too? now. They, yeah. they also have like um, other people that they've recruited to be able to uh, make them. All of them are credited in the descriptions. Go check them out and support their various channels. They're phenomenal artists. Yeah, absolutely they are. incredibly talented. And it's just like all the, the highlights that are posted on there are just incredible. Um, also, we want to get into uh posting more on TikTok and stuff like that. We'll do that soon. Yeah, I have the I have the TikTok created, so I'm basically just gonna like push uh more like the editors to make highlights that are TikTok based. Uh Will Sam, this is me telling you. <laughs> <right. laughs> uh, anyway, uh, whatever. We just need to make them. What we do is we make the we take all these clips and we just put subway surfers underneath it on, <laughs> on TikTok. I'm dead serious. I'm so serious. We just take them and we put them on TikTok video at the top, just normal the way it is, and then put below it subway surfers. <laughs> And then satisfying videos and you know like digging in sand, cutting soap, and shit like oh, that. Yeah. It'll be great. Perfect. Yeah. Look, we're going to skyrocket to the top. 
Also, if you see these on TikTok, you stitch them and make your own satisfying videos alongside them. Yeah, please do our work for us. <laughs> make, satisfying. <laughs> make our videos actually watchable. <laughs> anyway, all right, that's enough jacuzzis. There's more here, but uh, it's no time. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Right now is a busy time for college basketball, especially with the tournament coming up. And whoever makes it to the top, one thing is certain. It takes the most talented people working together to help these teams play at this level. It's the same for your business. You want the most talented people you can find to help make your business thrive. To find those people, you need to use ZipRecruiter. Try it free at ZipRecruiter.com slash go. ZipRecruiter uses powerful matching technology to help you quickly score excellent candidates. Immediately after you post your job, they'll start sending you people with the right skills and experience. And once you review the list, you can send your top choices an invite to apply. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash go. Again, that's Z-I-P-R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R dot com slash G-O. ZipRecruiter. The smartest way to hire. This episode is brought to you by Red Bear. Hey, pizza lovers, have you heard? You don't have to order in to get fantastic pizza anymore. Now, make it yourself with Red Baron's new fully loaded hand-tossed style pizza with a half pound of premium toppings and a soft, chewy, restaurant-style crust, you'll be blown away. Pick from three flavors in the frozen food aisle, ultimate pepperoni, barbecue recipe chicken, and meat lovers. Indulge yourself. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Today, we need to talk about discs, mm. about discs. Mm. You got discs in your back. You got discs everywhere. It's time for discs, Mark. Okay. We're taking you back to the high school days when you were a part of the throwers in track and field. Yeah, I know. You threw discus. It's for distance, right? That's important in this sport. Yeah. But this sport also requires accuracy. Okay. Would you have found discus more enjoyable if you had targets to throw at? Whether it be people, or a target, or people, or a patch of grass, or a hole in the ground. There was a time when I almost decapitated someone. Wait, really? Well, I was in a, it didn't mean to. I was like measuring for other uh, throwers for an event for some reason. Like we were just like needed volunteers. So I was going out and measuring. So I would like track it down and I would... Um, Mark it down, get the distance, put the flag where it landed, you know, just spot things and then put the flag mm -hmm. where it landed so they could measure it. And then I would throw it back to the side. And so I would chuck it to the side and, you know, I would discus hurl it off to the left away from people so that they could retrieve it without having to walk into the field. Because if the people who threw it had to walk into the field, then they would just get in the way. So I would chuck it to the side so that they could just go get it easily over there. Um, well, someone else just so happened to be walking uh, in this area, which which if you know where the discus field was, there was like a practice field next to it. Um, mm -hmm. So it was a big open space. But usually when people were coming from the track to go out, they would go, you know, through the parking lot. But this was just a field that also led towards the, the high school because it was like a shared space for the junior high and high school. Uh, but usually it was empty. And every time I had thrown it off to the left, which was towards that empty field, it was empty. And then I measure this one and I pick up the discus and I go, hey, up. And I look and it's going right towards this kid. 
who's not looking like and I go I don't think it was quite like that, but I just, you know, it, you you just can't you form a word. You don't yell or watch out. You just go, ah! <laughs> Legitimately, you can't come up with a word in time because your brain just goes, panic! Warn them! And your 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 mouth was already open because, you know, you're just a teen walking around like this. And then it's just like, ah! You know, you just... And so... Turns out my aim was not as good as I thought it was, so it didn't go anywhere near them. It was just like way <laughs> off to the side. Imagine if you yelled and they ran into it. I had that almost happen with <laughs> shot put, but that was not when I was measuring. That was when I almost got hit in the head uh, because it was literally just like I bent down to pick it up and someone shouted because I think they threw. I don't think they were warning me or anything. I just heard, Rrr! and I lean up and I see shot. <laughs> just like, and I look just as I'm going up, I just kind of, uh, and it just whoosh, right where my head was. So that was not fun. That was before all of the numerous hospital visits that you've had. Yeah. Was, you know, that was when you had good luck. <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually gone to the hospital. No, I got hit in the eye with a pickle. So I think that that technically counts. I was about to say for an injury injury. Yeah. Pickle that pickle counts. I don't know if I've ever gone to the hospital for an injury injury. No. That's a lie. I had an ankle injury that they thought was really bad. Just was a sprain, luckily. Anyway, moving on. Mm. Good story, Mark. Good story. But uh, no throwing them at trees or anything? Nothing purposeful? No. One accidental time? I, I don't think so. But would it be more fun if you could? Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Would it? Well, this sport is designed just for that. It is disc golf. Oh. How do you think the rules work? <laughs> you know golf. We did a golf primer. Pass. All right. Well, it you started. You pass out... the disc to your teammate, and they slam it in. That would be like basketball. Which is this? Not the team-based ultimate frisbee. That's what I'm thinking of. Hmm. <laughs> that's different. That's a frisbee game versus a disc game. Mm. They're different. That's different. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So disc golf is pretty much exactly what the name implies. It's golf, mm -hmm. but it's played with a disc. The course has nine or 18 holes. Mm -hmm. The holes are actually specialized like poles with like chains in them to catch the disc and not mm -hmm. actual holes in the ground, which honestly, if it was holes in the ground, that'd be kind of funny. That would be funny. Yeah. Skates over. So you throw it into the basket, it drops into the hole, and it's like, yay, I scored. Okay. And there are different pars. So it's like three throws, two throws, Four throws, five throws, based on distance and terrain. That's good. So, how it started. Act one. Okay. The origin. Disc golf. We don't know how it started. We just don't know. But, however, people have been playing golf for a lot of times and decided to play a game with discs at least a decade before it was officially a sport. Players at the time would make up rules, probably very simply being like, hey, we're on a golf course, just whoever's closest to the hole wins kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'd throw it at specific landmarks designated as holes, whether it be cans, lampposts, water fountains, trees, people, you know, target practice was pretty common. But when asked by the Professional Disc Golf Association about the origin of disc golf, Hall of Fame member Jim Palmieri responded, Sorry, but this turns out to be impossible to answer. There are many historical accounts of people playing golf with this flying disc. 
some of which predate the evident of the plastic flying discs by many years. Each account has been an isolated instant of recreational disc golf play, and none of the participants knew anyone else playing disc golf. Indeed, some of those instances isolated not only geographically, but also isolated in time, so they couldn't have known about each other. That... Cheerio! <laughs> that accent went on a world tour. That... <laughs> that was incredible. I felt like I never needed to travel again. I got all of it. So much culture in one moment. Beautifully done. Where was he from? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you do an accent? Because it's fun. All right, sure. So, while disc golf remained mostly the same since its rise in popularity in the late 1960s and early 70s, mm. there were some changes to equipment courses over time to improve the sport. So, early holes were usually just poles. You mm. just hit the disc into a pole, but it became problematic because they'd hit with a lot of momentum and would break the disc. They keep interchanging frisbee, but disc golf aficionados hate the word frisbee, so I, I've struck in it from the record. Mm-hmm. But they probably were using more of Frisbees back in the day. Probably, yeah. So, the solution to the pole problem was uh, invented by Steady Ed Hedrick, who's considered the father of disc golf. Mm. He invented the first Frisbee in 1966 when he was working for a tour company, Whammo. Then... In 1975, he created the disc golf hole, no, disc golf pole hole, not hole pole. Pole hole. Pole hole. Disc golf pole hole. Okay. And it's the what we see today. It's the pole with chains around the pole to stop the Frisbees and the basket underneath to catch them. Is there going to be a test on this? No. I feel my eyes are going in different directions. It's all right. I got one, one quote for you. Okay. In an excerpt by Revelation... Frisbee Golf by Steady Ed Hedrick. He said, Back to the drawing boards. And 56 models later, a contraption was born. Shazam! Chain! Like Moses in his cracked rules. Chains without black leather and a whip. Chain! Indestructible. Flexible. A pleasant sound. I wish I had invented it, but chain was my answer. Hence the Mach 1, 2, 3, and 20 years of blood, sweat, and tears. Did that, did that person write that jacuz from last week? Because, wow. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> so Steady Ed is uh, the founder of the DGA, which is the Disc Golf Association, and the PDGA, which is the Professional Disc Golf Association. Oh, yeah, of course. Both of which were founded in 1976. And he also f- built the first disc golf course in Oak Grove Park here in California. In Pasadena. We could actually go play probably on the original disc golf course. Well, that's pretty cool. He nearly single-handedly turned an informal activity into an official sport with thousands of events each year. So this is very much more of a casual sport, Mark. Mm -hmm. You can look up disc golf courses all over the place. They're everywhere. There are ones around UC. There are ones around um, my college. A lot of college campuses. A lot of parks have them. And it's a very casual game. They're all over uh, around Milford even. They started cropping up. Like I think some were there and more started to appear after we had graduated. But basically, you can get a group of friends together. You can buy a disc for like eight bucks. And there's different discs based on like weight and shape. So you have a putter that's lighter and it's going to be a little more accurate and fly smoother. 
You have the driver who's heavier so you can throw it longer distances, multiple throwing techniques. I have a friend who does a overhand tomahawk. Okay. And so it gets height and then it flattens out and flies. But for the most part, it's the normal like actual discus throw when you're throwing discus for throwing these. Huh. So like the full on arm swinging kind of thing? Yeah. There's some like the the world's longest drive is done basically the discus technique. I mean, there's a reason that it is utilized because that is kind of like everyone who has ever done discus is kind of like, yeah, we've tried everything and this seems to be the way to do it. So I would be shocked if there was some revelation in terms of throwing a disc shaped object further. Yeah. And there's lots of people have like 30 different discs, different drivers and stuff like that because you lose them. And then as you're walking the course, you find some and you just keep it's almost like an exchange thing, but it's a really casual sport. It's like something you can go do easily with some friends on an afternoon. Maybe have a beer if you're over 21 or drink your Gatorade if you're under, you know, and you just walk the course. You throw the discs into the tins and be like, ah, I did it better than you. And that's that's a sport. It's like a casual game. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And so it's grown in popularity and passion and it's starting to get more and more like television attention. And so it's really accessible and really easy to play and it's free. You don't have to pay to go to numerous courses because they're mostly in public parks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have the same like gateway to entry as like golf clubhouses do. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I always do think that like golf clubs having or or golf clubs, golf clubs. It, it's technically country club, clubs, country clubs, country yeah. clubs. I was like golf club. That's the thing you swing with. Yeah, I wouldn't think I've always thought that they're very exclusionary. So, yeah, just something to be casual about it, because everyone likes walking in a park and throwing things. So why not do it in a semi-organized fashion? And I, I honestly think this golf, even before it created different mini sports like uh, there's uh, beer bee which is uh, was created on a on the ski slopes and people would stick a ski pole into the snow, put a beer can on top of the ski pole and two teams of two would take turns and you would try and knock the beer can off the pole. Hmm. So like different target based Frisbee sports and disc golf has become like the bigger overwhelming sport of it all with the organizations and everything. Yeah, I mean, like I, I feel like that's how most things for dudes just doing stuff is like knock over that bottle even back in roman days it was knocketh that cup i don't claim to be good at accents i don't know what romans (laughs) sound like i purposely claim to be terrible at accents knocketh that cup over you know they were probably southern in rome they probably a little bit hillbilly they're probably rome billy yeehaw let's knock them cups over oh et tu brutus (laughs) (laughs) so act two time to play i kind of already gave you the overview of this but you have different frisbees you can get they're pretty inexpensive you can get some high-end ones but they're mostly made out of polypropylene plastic Mm -hmm. some of them have different weighting in them they could have a little bit of metal inside but for the most part they're just denser plastics Mm mm-hmm which you have the driver, which is the speed and distance, always the initial throw, and will likely be your longest throw each time. You have a mid-range designed to glide through the air. These are designed to have more control over curves, and some of them, based on their design and shape, are designed for basically having a curve on your throw. I forget what it's like. 
the technical term that they use in it, but man, I didn't even have a coach that knew how to throw. I don't, I didn't learn anything. Pull it or slice or whatever. Those are the golf terms. Yeah. Something like that. And then you have your putter, which is used to complete the hole. And it's usually a slow moving and a bulky. Oh, disc. I still was so confused because I, I keep forgetting that you said <laughs> like it, that you don't actually have clubs. I'm like, the yeah, <laughs> no, I caught it though, though. They, 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 they hit the, the, the discs with golf clubs. That's why I, I mean, was, that'd, be pretty cool. that'd be interesting. But yeah, disc golf courses have very differentiating, differentiating, differentiating terrain. God, I could not say differentiating. You got there. So you have water obstacles, you have trees, you'll have different sorts of traps. There's not really sand traps because you stand where your disc lies and then throw from that spot or behind that spot. Your front foot lines up wherever it lands and you can't move it left or right. So if you get stuck behind the tree, you got to play around the tree, but you can like lean and move to get an angle as opposed to like regular golf with the clubs. So play the play the disc as it lies per se. Okay. And so there's usually nine to 18 holes on each course. Each has a T area, which is where you throw, just like in golf, which I don't know why it's called a T area because you don't use a T in golf, but they just kept the golf terms. And then you have the basket hole. According to PDGA, ideally a well-balanced course has a mixture of holes that go completely through the woods, partially through woods, and mostly in the open. Fairways in the woods typically range from 15 feet wide pinch points to up to 40 feet wide. A few larger trees sometimes need to be removed to create fair flight paths. You're this, th- who, th- you're making it seem like the people that invented disc golf had plantations. That's what it <laughs> sounds like. Like there was some kind of like southern dude from the 1800s. Hey, you must get. I'm not doing it. I can't do it. <laughs> When in reality, it's a bunch of people probably smoking weed and drinking beer and walking in the woods. Yeah, you got to get rid of some of these trees. Got to make sure you got like ah, 15 meters. Were they thinking meters? They said feet. So I'm wondering if it's mostly U.S. based. Yeah, it's Americans. It's a bunch of Americans. Yeah. And I'm I'm talking like probably what the people that are in power at these organizations are now, you know. Mm. The other ones were historical. This one, this one was more of like the uppity disc golfers. Yeah. But the great thing about this is compared to golf, there's no tearing up terrain. You use what is already available and you might make some adjustments to it, like cut a tree here, prune a bush here, you know, stuff like that to make a course as opposed to, all right, we got to put water in the desert, plant all this grass, and then only rich can be in here. <laughs> I don't know why the guy at the country club sounds like the guy who's drilling for oil. Wait, no, no. That's also a rich southern guy. Wait a minute. <laughs> I know what's wrong with it. Ain't got no gas in it. And and all of fairness, that's the capitalization of golf. Golf in the olden days was actually taking care of the earth and being like, yes, this makes sense for a course. Now it's like, how can we make money? Put it in the desert. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But not disc golf. It still remains pure. More pure. I don't know if there's any crazy stuff that they do. Purer. Yeah. I do think that sometimes they will go to a golf course and just shove one of the disc golf holes into the hole of the golf hole and be like, all right, we're playing here. I know what's wrong with it. Not enough chains on it. <laughs> More chains. 
Add some whips. <laughs> no, no, no whips. But I wish we. I wish I invented whips. <laughs> That's what the guy, the guy said earlier. So. <laughs> but disc golf courses can range from thirty six hundred feet to ten thousand feet in length. Each hole is required to be at least a hundred feet apart, not including the tee area for each hole. Mm. So. The 6,000 feet and longer courses are used for the professional tournaments, while most shorter courses are the ones you find in parks for amateurs and have greater access. Mm. And so, like I said earlier, the par is dependent on the, the distance. Yeah. So how do you play, Mark? How do you think you play? After well, everything you, we've already said, I basically you cover it? it. I'm pretty <laughs> sure you covered it. I pull this my, is the test. Pull my driver out. All right. Uh, cut down a rainforest. No. I destroy the ecosystem, mm. devastate the land, salt the earth, let none come before me, rafter me, and then I throw it at the pole hole. Then I drink a Gatorade, you did say that. Yep. And then you walk, and then you throw again till it's in the chains. And that's okay. Chains are okay. All right, baby Mark. What? It's time to teach you how to play. That's how you play. You just told me. It's accurate, but I'm going to give you some more technical terms. All right, more fine. technical ways. And this one's casual. Your coach isn't going to force you. You'll, I, you'd seem to enjoy throwing the discs. Okay. I feel like you'd enjoy this. Okay. So, the grip is very important. You want a loose grip or a very tight grip. Those could destroy your shots. You don't want those, actually. I don't know why I said you want those. I meant to say you don't want those. I'm beginning to think you don't know what you're doing, coach. This is mixed messages. Yeah, I'm confused. You want to find a balance between a loose grip and a tight grip. So it's like it's, it's enough to grip it so it doesn't slip out of your hand, but loose enough to where when you want to let go, you let go. The way we described it in baseball, you hold it like it's an egg. You don't want to drop the egg, but you don't want to crush the egg. <sighs> so... The next step is called the X step. It's a series of three steps you take before you throw the disc. You start by stepping with your lead foot, just like we talked about in the perfect spiral video that we did. Oh, yeah, I remember. I remember. So Baby Mark can watch that When's video. When's that Butler video coming? <laughs> <laughs> any day now. Yeah, any day now. Any day now. You know, honestly, the timing of it while you're editing your movie is pretty good. Yeah, you won't be my butler for a day. Yeah, I'll bring you all the cheese and salami you want. And multivitamins, please. I'm cramping. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring you like a, a banana and an orange or something. Get some potassium in you. Oh, perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, okay, lead foot. Yeah, step in with your lead foot. Okay. The same side as the arm you throw with. So if it's your right arm. You step with your right foot. Okay. It's a little bit opposite from the other way. Your lead foot for this because you're throwing it more backhand in the twist, just like in the discus throw. Uh-huh. And so you step with your right foot. The next step is crossing the opposite foot behind your lead leg because uh -huh. you want to get that maximum twist. All right? Right. And then the final step is the big step forward. As you throw the disc, you rotate your hips as much as possible. Because that's where your power comes from. Uh-huh. All right? So you're playing around at disc golf now. You're playing against your other baby friends. You got baby Tyler. You got baby Wade. You got baby Bob. You got baby Sean. You got baby Ethan. You got baby... Tom. 
Can't forget about him. <laughs> I didn't know whether to say Thomas or Tom. <laughs> I still call him Thomas. Okay. And so you just want to be able to put it in the cup faster than they put it in the cup. Not speed uh, time-wise. Speed throws. number of throws. Speed number of throws. <laughs> 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 okay, I gotcha. And so you're usually grouped with only three other players at the holes, and you walk mm-hmm. together, and you take turns, who take shot. Closest to the hole goes first after the initial throw off the driving range. Uh-huh. After you throw your disc in the tee, you take it out and you walk walk away. And you can change up which disc you use. You can use the driver at the beginning, but you get to the spot, you're like, ah, oh, I don't want to throw my driver now. I want to throw my putter. You pick that. Mm-hmm. There you go. You do that for nine holes. You do less throws, you win. And it's fun. And you guys can cheers your baby bottles of milk and have fun. Is that Woo! it? That's it. Oh, that's cool. Very simple primer. I like that because I can feel that that's something anybody could appreciate. Yeah, it's a very casual, fun time. You get out in nature. Can you still play it with just a frisbee? Like, could you go there and just yeah? Zing. You could just bring one frisbee. You're not you're not going to be very competitive, but you could do it. Yeah, I mean, when I was in uh, Austin a lot, there was plenty of disc golf courses all over the place, like right by the studio, right in the park next to Almost every park had a disc golf place, which is like, I know it's kind of getting a resurgence of popularity, but I think this just is like, it's commonplace to be like, you want to go to the park and you want to do something. So it's like, why not have that? Why not have something where even someone alone could just be like, swing? Yeah, I have no friends. <laughs> but I did it. I believe in me. I don't need friends. This is a positive swing. This is a positive statement. It's that you don't need to have friends to go out and have fun and enjoy nature. If it's something you want to do, do it. That's the other great part about it is it's a way for you to get outside. It's a level of exercise. You get sunlight. You get into nature. And you can have a good time. I've been uh, disc golfing a number of times with friends. I've run across wildlife, which has been pretty cool. I've seen streams and koi ponds and various other things that are around. You can play it in the rain if you want. I would not recommend when lightning's coming out because those holes are made of metal. The pole and you're usually holes, around yeah. trees. The whole um, yeah. But you can play in the rain. You can play in all weather conditions as opposed to golf because you're not tearing up the ground. And it's pretty fun. It's a very low-key, chill time, and you still get a little bit of exercise in. And trust me, you play nine holes, and you'll start feeling it. That's fun. I think I'll go do that. Maybe we should do that. Yeah, I like that idea. No. After we do the butler video that everyone's yelling at us about. <laughs> we could never. We could never. And then also, at some point, we will start doing episodes in the same place. It's yes. just been very convenient with Riverside to, to not, even though we're like 15 minutes from each other's places. Yeah, we're very close. It's just very convenient for file management more than anything at the moment. Yeah, but they can handle it. Yeah. Because technically speaking, we don't need to do this for, we could just record. True. I got a new, actually, wait, I got a new card just for this purpose. It's a PCI card with like four camera in, HDMI inputs. Oh, hell yeah. And it syncs them all up. goes right into the computer. Oh, sick. I got it just for that. I don't know where that is. It's somewhere over there. Yeah, I should, I should order more lights. Lights, schmites. Do, I don't need lights. Schmites. Do, do I need it? What? Schmites. Anyway, we should probably do the outro. Um, All right, we're still recording. <laughs> what are you doing here? Yeah, g- go get your uh, stuff at store.gmfst.com. <laughs> yes, definitely do that. And hey, there's a lot of great 
highlights on the YouTube channel. A lot of your favorite bits are on there. Go check it out and share one with a friend today. Give them the gift of sport. Yeah, and I think with YouTube shorts, you can sample them and react to them kind of like you do on TikTok or something. Does anybody use YouTube shorts? To those of you who use YouTube shorts, now's your time to shine. You'll get so many views. Remixing this stuff, remastering it, steal our content. React to it. Steal it. Yeah, go follow us on socials. Engage with the all the Go stuff. We need more Go engagement. Go engage. And accuse us. You guys have stepped up your game, and I'm proud of that, and I appreciate it, but we need more. So we'll see you in the next episode of Go, and uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Bye. Bye.